Welcome to another episode of Live at the Family Barbecue with your boy, A. Walter Sultan, and... Yeah, girl, Imani Shani. And we have a very special guest today. Someone we met about... What was this complex called? About a year? Was it last year? November-ish. Oh, November. November-ish. Yeah. Uh, met her at a, a nice booth. We had checked out. And actually, I had went to that booth, I think, right before... The pandemic in like 2019 because you had recognized the fans mm-hmm. they were giving out yeah. so uh we got an entrepreneur uh someone who is in the advertisement marketing branding sector has touched a lot of different companies and brands miss brooke welcome to the show boss lady hey. brooke. <laughs> how are you doing i'm good how are you oh, talking yeah <laughs> You're all good, too. How you doing? I'm good, yeah. Good, good, good. We're glad we could uh, set this up. I know it's been a little while in the making. You've been busy and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, we're just glad to make it happen. So just give us a little background about yourself, maybe just something real brief. What brought you to L.A.? How'd you get here? Because we know you're not from here. And how did we get to this moment? (laughs) Well, the story of me getting to L.A. is actually pretty complicated, Um, We'll just say it was a breakup. Mm. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I mean, my ex-boyfriend actually went to federal prison. Mm. And I had to testify against him in front of the grand jury. And that's the real reason why I moved to L.A. And I moved moved here in 2002. Um, From Wisconsin, right? From Wisconsin. I grew up in Wisconsin um, in a really small town. Like, grew up on a lake. I had the best childhood um, really beautiful. I went to school at UW Madison. I studied psychology, and then, like I said, I had a boyfriend. I was like really in the rave scene in Wisconsin, and um, you know he wasn't just like you know dealing drugs like to you know individual people. It was like he was a distributor, and yeah, he got busted. It was the wow. biggest ecstasy bust in Wisconsin. What at that well. At that point, to that, right, right, right. Um, yeah, but it was a nationwide drug bust, and you know, so yeah, it was pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, you know, court subpoenaed to testify against him, um, which was also really hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was why I moved to LA. So it's like funny because sometimes when people ask me that, I like don't want to tell them because it's like kind of you know, taints people's opinion of me but um yeah I mean it's so long ago that Mm -hmm. I'm like okay talking about it but like yeah it was pretty an intense situation very sad he did end up going to federal prison for like five and a half years and um yeah and then I moved to LA without knowing anyone um and I moved here with two of my girlfriends that I uh you know was friends with in college Mm -hmm. We drove out from Wisconsin, or I started in Wisconsin. I picked up one of the girls who, like, is from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I drove in my Honda Civic, and we drove cross-country and shared a one-bedroom apartment for the summer and, like, just tried to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because I came from the rave scene, yeah, um, I was already, like, I threw raves back in Wisconsin, like, small ones, but um, so when I moved to L.A., I... Am I am I talking into this right? No, you're all good. Okay. Sorry, I'm not used to no, talking into this microphone, so I don't know. I just want everybody to make sure they hear everything. So I didn't know what to do, so I was like, okay, I mean, 
I have, I mean, I really had no money at that point. And like, I'm not gonna lie, like I was a pretty blessed kid. I, you know, when I turned 18, I got money from my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like to pay for college. But I always had jobs. Like I'd always like, I was a big swimmer. I was like a big athlete. Um, so I, um, you know, always had like pretty, I had like lifeguarded throughout college. And, you know, it was like, I always had like a pretty high paying like side job, you know, mm -hmm. but still like, you know, my parents did give me money. So I never had like student loans or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of had like a cushion of money to travel. And so I, you know, before I even graduated college, I had already traveled all over the world, not all over the world, but like all through Europe, I spent a lot of time in Ibiza. Um, so I was pretty like, you know, well-traveled for just being a college student, you know, yeah. because like, luckily my parents like, you know, gave me money. <laughs> but then, so when I moved to LA, it was like a very rude awakening because that money was kind of out. Mm. And I didn't really know, like, I, I'm being honest, I was kind of like, what do I do? Like, what? you know, it was like, I didn't know what to do. And it was like, my, neither did my roommates. And like, we were all like, what are we going to do? And so I just started like emailing different places and like trying to get jobs, obviously, and like turning to my resume. But it was just a different time because it was like 2002, you know, yeah. like, it's not like how it is now where you can go on like, I mean, there was like, you know, websites and stuff like that. But like just the Internet in general wasn't like how it is now. Right, right, right. And so I was like emailing. I was really into that. I don't know if you know of that magazine, Herb Magazine. It was like an electronic music magazine. Mm -hmm. So I was like emailing like promotions, I think, at Herb Magazine to try and get a job. And the girl like wrote back to me like right away. And she's like, no one's ever thought to, I don't know if it was like, that exact email address, but it was like, she's like, no one's ever thought to email me that to that address. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so I knew automatically you were smart. And she gave me this job like to like hand out flyers at like clubs all over LA, like of like, raves and like but when I moved to LA it was like still in that transition period of when raves were kind of like be becoming out of style mm -hmm. because it was like they like were huge in the 90s and then like I think people kind of really moved away from them for a while I don't mm -hmm. know I don't know if you guys went to raves but it was one like, of Imani's best friends is a super raver yeah we should have brought her we should have brought her we should have brought her I'm just saying when I first moved here it was kind of like phasing out of being cool you know mm -hmm. and then you know different kind of like indie rock scene was kind of becoming more popular and like you know it was like nicole richie and paris hilton and oh, like damn. all those kind of like clubs and parties Lindsay lohan and like anyways i'll, I'll get more into that later. <laughs> <laughs> you guys i talk a lot so tell no, me if I'm that's why we're here yeah that's yeah, why we're here tell me if i'm explaining this too much but anyway so i um didn't know what I was going to do. Emailed that girl and then she got me, you know, this job. And it was like, I don't even remember how much she paid me, but it wasn't much. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I basically went around out to, out there, all over L.A. to clubs, like, handing out flyers. But, like, there was no smartphone. So I was, like, you know, going on, like, the, you know, whatever. I don't even remember what maps people used back then. It was, like, something really basic, right? Like, mm -hmm. MapQuest. MapQuest. Map MapQuest. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like writing down all the directions and I was like legit getting lost all the time. So frustrated. Like, but like, I mean, LA is easy. Like it's like a grid, but where it kind of gets confusing is like the Silver Lake area. Mm -hmm. Like it's like all windy and like there'd be times where I was like, I can't do this. Like, I don't think I'm meant for LA, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, I did kind of have like a moment where I was like, really just like, I went to the girl that I was working with. I could be like, I can't do this anymore. She's like, well, my roommate says they need an intern at like the diesel showroom, which is so funny because 
for so long, diesel was not cool. And I'm sure you guys know that all of a sudden diesel's having this like crazy resurgence yeah. of being popular. Yeah. But anyway, so I interned there. They like immediately loved me because I was like a really fast worker. And like, I was just like, all the, all the New York people were there the first week I was there. And they were like, you're so impressive. Like, why don't you move to New York? Like, you're such a hard worker. And like, um, I ended up getting like a full-time job, but like just as like the office manager, you mm-hmm. know? But it was like a small office. It was like six people and... But, like, I mean, now that I look back at that job, that was, like, such an amazing job because I got to meet, like, all the top stylists in L.A. Because they all, at the time, Diesel was, like, so popular, so they were all coming in to pull all the time. Mm. So I ended up, like, assisting some of them, doing that kind of work. And then, like I mentioned, the Nicole Richie, like, Paris Hilton era, like, mm. every time Diesel had parties, they were there. Every So I was, like, fast-tracked into, like this celebrity like world like really mm-hmm. fast and I was like not even like that at all mm-hmm. so it was sort of weird because I was like this isn't my world but I was just like started going out and then you know I don't know if you guys know like the whole history of like the Steve Aoki and Cinespace era but like uh-huh. do you know do you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. no yeah yeah put it on I know a little bit about Steve Aoki oh, but it was just like there was like this whole you know sort of indie rock scene and and it's like it was a whole different genre of music it was kind of like mashups and like you know it you know yeah it was it it was like they're just it's not like that anymore in LA where it's like people go went out every single night there was like clubs every single night I would go out every single night and I Mm. just sort of like became very like connected and well known in that sort of community Mm. um which, I mean, I think helped me, like, get other jobs and, you know, with work and stuff like that. But, and now, especially, like, in my, that I've lived in L.A. for 20 years, like, it's, like, it does help me. Because I'm, like, oh, I know the person that works here. I know the person that works mm-hmm. here. From all those years, I would literally go out every single night. Mm. But anyway, so that's my social life. But, yes, my work life. After I worked for Diesel, I worked for Triple Five Soul, which you guys probably know. Like, that's, like, a very old school, like, New York you know, it's kind of streetwear, but it's like, I don't know, it's kind of on that cusp of mm-hmm. like, you know, but anyway, so worked there, you know, and like I worked like the first Agenda trade show. Do you guys know what Agenda trade show is? Uh-uh. So Agenda was like kind of before, so the guy that started, Aaron Levant, the guy mm-hmm. that started Complex, he started um, Agenda, and that was like his first uh-huh. trade show. Then he sold that, then he started Complex, so it was like kind of an evolution for him, but like Agenda used to be kind of like the um, B2B version of Complex Con. Wow. So, like, business, like, so it's like stores would come and like write orders. Mm. And like now they do that, but they have different trade shows. You know, you've heard of yeah, like yeah, Magic yeah. Trade Show. Yeah, yeah. But like it used to be like Agenda was kind of like exactly how Complex Con feels, but you couldn't go there unless you were like a buyer. Gosh. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's sort of like I got my start like doing you know, being in that sort of world. And then from there, I, like, DJed for, like, three years, and I kind of just... Yo, you was a DJ, too? Yeah. I was a oh, DJ. shit. I was in a girl group. Like, I was a DJ duo with um, my best friend, and, like, we played, like, house, tech house, and we actually got pretty far. Like, Diplo put out our, like, mixtape, um, and had I never started working at Tokidoki, I probably would have gotten pretty far, but that world is kind of a grind. Like, yeah. you know, you're, it's a very boys club. Like, I had girlfriends that, like, kind of recently got out of it because it's like, now I'm 42. Like, do I really want to be, like, 42, like, in the clubs every night? Like, DJing. Yeah. I know, I have friends that are doing that still, but, like, 
it's not for me. Right. Yeah. But I did have so much fun. I did <laughs> played a ton of like great parties. Um, and it was, you know, a great time. And then I did start working. Oh, well, the reason I started to work for Tokidoki, which I mentioned in the bio, and this is one of the more unique experiences I've ever had, is um, I worked for this brand called, or not worked for this brand, I worked for Sanrio, um, which is the company that owns Hello Kitty. Mm-hmm. And I went on their 50th anniversary tour, and I traveled the whole country with like Hello. So I basically went on tour with Hello Kitty, so which cool. was which was hilarious. And the photos I have from that, and like it was like I was driving these like wrap trucks of like you know covered in like all the Sanrio you know Hello Kitty characters that kind of thing and drove them across the country set up mobile pop-up shops and I sold Tokidoki collab product on the tour and that's when I was like this is so popular but I knew of it before right but Tokidoki just like Hello Kitty has like a cult-like following Mm -hmm. so then when I found out that Tokidoki was hiring then I started working for them and then I've been working there for like 11 years and you know, I've done, like you said, like all different, you know, the main thing I do is wholesale sales. So I sell the product that we manufacture into, you know, retail, gotcha. big, big retail chains, small, you know, specialty stores. But then I also work on like collaborations. So it's like mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I can't talk about certain ones I'm working on now, but like collaborations we've done are like Barbie, um, oh, Karl Lagerfeld, uh, Le Sportsack, um, I mean, Bear Bricks, um, we did one with Atmos, which we had at mm-hmm. Complex Con. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just did Uno cards. Like, you know, we've done a lot of different, like, across the spectrum. Um, like the game Uno? The game Uno. They're I'll so whoop cute. all of y'all in Uno, just yeah, so you they're know. they're so cute. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, no, but the Uno cards, I mean, just everything. So Tokidoki is just a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, an, an, it's an IP, so it's like an intellectual property. So it's like, essentially, it's easy to license to, mm-hmm. like, many different things. So, like, next week, I'm not going, but there's a licensing show. So, like, you know, I work on, like, the stuff that we manufacture, but, like, then the licensing is where, you know, people come and they want to work with our brand and they want to, like, you know, use their artwork to make, you know, whatever Pictures, you know, right, right, yeah. right. whatever, you know, it's, yeah. it, and that's sort of what licensing is. I'm sure you understand that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a cool company. We've even started doing NFTs. Oh, damn. Um, and those were really successful. I think we did the first NFT on Binance. So and that's huge, you know, but yeah, I mean, I love I love the brand. I've They've been really great to me. And um, you know, it's really it's fun to work for a brand that people like are obsessed with <laughs> you know it's like it's easy to sell something that everybody wants mm-hmm. right. and then you know you know i get to go to all the comic cons and things like that and that's what i'm saying this complex con is like very it's almost like not our demographic right i remember you had said that when we were there and i mean that's where i shouldn't say that <laughs> um <laughs> comic con is exactly our demographic mm. right and that was what you said because comic con they do that one in san diego right but then they have them all over like new york okay, and then okay. they have them in seattle chicago and that's where it's like like our booth will be like whatever like half the size of this room and you have to wait hours to get in and like some days you can't even get in you know because we have to cut the line off and like so that's why it's like it's like going to complex con just doesn't feel like it's even worth it to me mm-hmm. because it's like when I'm at like a comic con it's like people are like desperate to like come shop our, yeah, our yeah, 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 but yeah, it's yeah. just because it's like that you know comic con like 
you know, people make exclusives and like Funko and brands like that, like are there and like, it's just like people sell them then afterwards. So that's why it's like, it's the, you know, it's the same thing as like the complex con, it's just the resale market, you know, it's like Yeezys or whatever, anything that like has this crazy, or Jordans or whatever, has a crazy value and then, you know, resell. So that's what people are doing at complex con a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. or not or comic con. Mm -hmm. But I feel like complex con, it has changed because that, the first year was more like that. Okay. And now I feel like this last year was kind of more like independent brands. Would mm. you guys agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've kind of felt like that too. Because even like I had told you, um, the one we had met from Fry Rice, like it seemed like it was more like up and coming. Right. Or, yeah, mm. grassroots type organization type brands. Mm. Right. Like whereas the first one, it was like Nike and like, right, you know, right, right, and, like right. the big brands <laughs> that like people were coming there just to like buy mm-hmm. things to resell. So, I mean, that was just like my impression of this last Complex con, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's sort of the general gist of my story. I don't know if I like went on too long, but no, 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 no. That was that that's was plenty. Crazy. And then the last part I know you was talking about too was uh, like the OnlyFans market too. Oh, yeah. Like after or during the COVID time and how you broke well, it. Right, that. like so during the pandemic, like and when like all the retail stores were closed and like everyone was in lockdown, I was just like. You know, I, I was used to like going on the road all the time and like mm-hmm. traveling and having stuff to do all the time. And then once like stores were closing, it was like people were cutting their orders, and I was like, just sitting at home, kind of being like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? Right. And like, I mean, obviously there was still work to do at Tokidoki, but like it was a lot of depressing things because it was like people were like, yeah, like we're gonna have to cut this order, or we're mm. gonna have to scale it back, or we're not placing orders right now. And I'm like, okay. And I couldn't go anywhere. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And then, like, I saw a bunch of people starting to do OnlyFans. And then I was like, I felt like it was kind of risky because it's like, you know, I do have, like, a full-time corporate kind of job. (laughs) But um, I decided just to do it because I was like, you know, you know, I've, I've sort of, like, worked really hard to, like, I'm 42 now. But, like, I've worked really hard to, like, at the time I was, like, 40. And I was like, I've worked really hard to look like this. I want to, like, show it off, you mm-hmm. know? So I started doing, like, a ton of photo shoots just during the pandemic before I started the OnlyFans, and mm-hmm. I was like, a lot of these are, like, not appropriate to post, so I'm like, maybe it'd be good to have, like, an OnlyFans, like, to have something to, you know, like, a platform to post them on. So I started um, an OnlyFans, and it was, like, really, really successful at first because I think so many people thought it was going to be a lot more than it was. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of girls that started mm-hmm. OnlyFans, like, you know, like Ruby Rose or somebody like right, that. Right, like, get the bag. You know, it's like she really catfished kind of everyone or mm-hmm. like even Bella Thorne. That's why like OnlyFans kind of crashed was like, she was like, I'm selling like this naked photo, but it wasn't even a naked photo, mm-hmm. but she sold it for like $200. And that was like what the scandal was with Bella Thorne is yeah. that she changed the platform forever mm-hmm. because she did that like sort of like, finesse I guess yeah. um, um, but you know girls that wanted to kind of finesse that like oh my OnlyFans is more than it really is I can't hate on that because it's like you know I, anybody's just signing up and like you know they're gonna figure it out once they get on there but um, yeah and, the, and now that OnlyFans like is still obviously like so popular and then that like whole documentary came out which was so interesting because it kind of showed the the variety of people on OnlyFans and what people were doing on there and like how it's like it can be so many different things like Mm -hmm. 
one of my friends started a whole fitness class on OnlyFans, and now she like moved it outside of OnlyFans and is like making so much money. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, it's not just for sex work, but you know, like a lot of it is. So, but I mean, mine is very, you know, just kind of like, oh, come see a more intimate side of me. Right. And um, you know, I still have it, but it's definitely like now that life is more back to normal, it's like something I'm not like prioritizing as much. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you get kind of bored of it. Like most girls that I have, I'm friends with on OnlyFans, it's like after a while you're like, it does become like a job. You mm-hmm. know? And I think a lot of people have this impression like, oh, I can just start an OnlyFans and make money. I'm like, and then I have to break down like right. really <laughs> what goes into what it. goes down with it. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's. If it's fun, it's probably fun for like a couple months, and then like after a while, you're like, okay, like, right, got to post today. I got to mm-hmm. figure out some content. And like, once it's just like working out. Like once you do the shoot, you're like, oh, that, that was good, and I got the content. Now I don't have to do this for a while, and I'm like, I'm like good, and I have like stuff to post for weeks, and like, but like you know when you're in those like periods where you haven't done it yet, it's like you're like, oh, it's this anxiety, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean. I actually um, tried even uh, Playboy Centerfold started their platform, which Cardi B is the like. Oh shit! I didn't know she's that. the um, face of it, I guess. Mm. You heard of that one, money? I think I might have seen it, or I've seen yeah. Cardi B like represent Playboy, but I didn't know there was an actual. Yeah, it's like the um, sort of OnlyFans for um, yeah. Playboy. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they wouldn't call it that, but it's like you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same platform. I mean, I tried it, and it's. I have to say OnlyFans is definitely like the most well used. So it's mm-hmm. like it's easier to get more subscribers. It's just more like user you know, friendly. I wouldn't even say user friendly. It's just it's there already, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and like people like so many. I don't want to say just men, but so many guys already have an OnlyFans account. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference of them subscribing to like one more person? Right, right. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. like Playboy Centerfold, it's going to take probably a minute to build it up, just like anything. You mm-hmm. know? Right. That's it's a true. new platform. But yeah, and so that's sort of my journey. That's with that. real. Yeah. I got questions. You want to go first? That's so you have lived such an like rock star life. <laughs> or like where you're at. I'm just like, dang girl. But it sounds like you weren't necessarily super interested in fashion at first. And it's kind of something that you got into like as you come came to LA did you start developing like a love for fashion itself like from being out here and being around it more like with interning at diesel and things like that well yeah absolutely and of course like in Wisconsin I would have been like yeah I'm super fashionable but like (laughs) I look back at stuff I would wear (laughs) I was kind of like fresh off the boat in that sense like I look back at like some of those outfits I was wearing when I first moved to LA and I was like wow I really looked crazy but um yeah to your point I was never planning on working in fashion like I literally thought I was gonna like work in music or you know like start doing raves here or something I mean I literally had no idea right right and so somebody was like oh like when I was literally like what's a showroom Mm. (laughs) like when somebody told me about the diesel showroom so of course, like, living in L.A. has made me, like, want to always, like, evolve and, you know, dress better and look cool and, like, you know, because that's, it's really for you and it's, like, not for what other people perceive of you. It's how you feel and what right. you're wearing and, like, you know, I think that, like, that's something I can really say about even, like, my body. It's, like, 
I would do that for myself because I feel more confident. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the clothes, it's just like an icing on the top. It's like, you know, so I think that, yeah, of course, like once I did work for Diesel and like work in the fashion industry, like, and plus it was like before the stock market kind of crashed in like 2008, like it was so crazy. It was like, that was like the booming industry. Like Mm -hmm. people made like money, you know, it's kind of like almost like how, crypto is now or something you know talking about fashion just well being in sales in sales okay okay you know it's like stores made a lot of money Mm -hmm. the reps made a lot of money like you know like i was like had friends that were making like half a million a year like being a sales rep you know and like um it was just like really a good time to be in that world and Mm -hmm. then once the stock market kind of crashed and like and plus brands change you know like brands that are like huge They'll have a dip, you know, like, you know, like, I'm just thinking of some examples. Like, I was even like, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about in the 90s, how we had like Sean John, Fat Form, Rockaware, like all of those big brands, like the rappers were really like pushing all of their own stuff and how it kind of phased out a little bit. But then I don't know, you kind of see it coming back a little bit more with like, you know, Yeezy with his kind of stuff or Kanye with uh, certain people. Like, kind of push them a little bit more. But it seemed like everybody had a fashion brand, like, in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was so fun, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and when I was, like, going to, like, Magic and all those trade shows back in the day, I would always walk, walk Magic because that's where most of those brands that you mentioned mm-hmm. were showing was, mm-hmm. like, you know, Sean John, Baby Fat, like, all those you know, right. apple brand. bottom. Yeah. Brand, yeah. And I would always be like, oh, like looking around. And well, and then when I worked for Triple Five Soul, like, it kind of crossed over, but like, you know, not as much, you know, it wasn't like a core brand like that, you know, mm-hmm. but like I would say we were more like almost similar to like LRG, but like these are the brands I'm saying like had such a moment and mm-hmm. made so much money. And now there is like a resurgence of those brands like that in a cool way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think. Did Baby Fat do, like, a collab with, like, Forever 21 or mm-hmm, something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but, and I think those brands are now nostalgic and, like, mm-hmm. that early yep, yep, yep. 2000s look of, like, sparkly, you know, crop tops and things like that and, mm-hmm. like, velour track pants mm-hmm. and all that is, like, so, so popular still, like, right now. Right. So, I think it's, like, a good time for things like that to come back, but, like, I think how fashion has changed, like, in on, on the industry side of it is, like, back in the day, which is what I was explaining, you could be, like, you could open a store, a brick-and-mortar store, and carry brands like Diesel or, you know, Miss 60 or whatever, or Sean John, or, mm-hmm. you know, it just depends on what, you, who, what customer you had. Mm-hmm. And you could carry those brands, and you could make a really good living, and you could, like, sell a lot of it, and, like, but I think with the internet... And everything like, you know, just fast fast fashion and things like that. I think it's changed the fashion industry where it's like now you have like a sheen or, you know, like yeah. those kind mm-hmm. of places where you can get like an outfit for $11, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I think it really has like wiped out that like middle, middle brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now everybody either wears like really cheap, you know, and like makes it look expensive mm-hmm. or they actually wear like expensive. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like they like wear like, you know, like now it's like especially with rap culture. And I think this has always been a part of rap culture. But like I feel like brands, you know, now are really people just like really want to wear the labels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think then, you know, yeah, it's just. It's it's really become I think more and more like 
such a split, you know, and so those middle brands like are not, are, I don't, I think that like contemporary kind of fashion world is kind of not as popular mm-hmm. and having a brick and mortar store where you sell like, you know, clothes that are like hundred, two hundred dollars like those don't exist as much. It's mm-hmm. either like, you know, you're shopping at like Sheen or you're like shopping at Balenciaga, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no in between. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I, no, I, I think you that's know. what, it, and that's, it's like those kind of contemporary brands, that's what the name is of it, is kind of not, don't exist as much, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen it sort of change and, you know, after like kind of 2008 and that's why I kind of got out of it is like, I just sort of like didn't, I was like, after I worked for Twinkle High Soul, I started, you know, selling like kind of more like up and coming brands. And I was like, this is really challenging. And, you know, now what I sell is, is totally different. It's sort of like showing people like, okay, this is what's new and they buy it. You know, it's like, it's not like, I mean, that sounds bad to say, but it's not like I really have to go out and like, hit, you know, of course I like hit up stores, but most people know of the stores that I'm hitting up, they know what Toki Doki is already, right. you know, because so it's not like I'm like starting from scratch, starting from the bottom. And mm-hmm. when I was doing that, like for a while, I was like, this is really hard. <laughs> and not like, I mean, of course, there's challenges that are good that you want to overcome. But like sometimes like that's why like when people want to start a brand, I will always break it down to them, like all the different things to expect, mm. the challenges that you're going to encounter, you know, because I think it's, it's the idea part is always like the most fun, right? right like yeah. I want to start this brand and mm. I've done that to myself. I wanted to start a brand. I started actually making samples in the pandemic mm-hmm. and it was going to be kind of like very similar to like skims. Mm. Like, you know, like lounge at homeware, you know, like bralettes, booty shorts, like that kind of like comfy, but like you could wear it to work out kind mm-hmm. of like stuff. And I, to be honest, I did mushrooms on my birthday last year <laughs> and I kind of rethought, I rethought the whole process. I was like, do I really want to do this? And it's not because I'm lazy, but you know, it's like so much to have mm-hmm. a brand and I really really give props to so many people that like do it and because mm. it really takes so much dedication mm-hmm. yeah. like to really make your brand successful mm-hmm. or you need just like that really good idea that like mm-hmm. resonates with someone you know like it's like you need like if you're going to do swimmer you need to do that swimmer that like everybody wants mm-hmm. and they're like I want that because no one else is doing it and that's like minimal animal do you, animal like, do you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. it's like that really skimpy you know, high cut with like, you know, like no one was really doing that and their stuff fits so well and it would sell out. And I mean, that's a good example of someone that like, it's like a, you have to figure out like that niche thing that like no one else is kind yeah. of doing. You know? That's yeah. what I was going to ask you too. So working with, uh, like you said, Diesel and Sanrio and then Tokidoki where you're at now, what are like the common themes that you see into going or building a successful brand and a long lasting brand? Like what did you see that was common in between all of these companies you work with? Well, I mean, again, like I think San, well, let's just start with Sanrio, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's like probably the oldest and that's the company. I honestly, like, I'm just, obs- I, I'm obsessed with t- Hello Kitty. Like that's why my, my Instagram's Hello Brookie. That's why <laughs> it's, it's because of my obsession with Hello Kitty. So, you know, um, I mean, Sanrio is now like 60 years old. Hello Kitty's, um, I, uh, 
I think it's going to be her 50th soon. Like, uh, I don't I don't know exactly, but I think... Real quick, bro, I didn't mean to cut you off. So what's the difference between Sanrio and Hello Kitty? So, I always thought them joints was... <laughs> no, Sanrio is the company that owns Hello Kitty. So Got you, okay. Thing. So I'm saying that, like, Sanrio as a company, like, they'll celebrate their anniversary as a company Got separate you. to, like, the characters. Got you. The okay, characters okay, okay. have their own anniversaries. Got and you. Hello Kitty, because it's, like, such the core. But, okay, so the whole concept behind Hello Kitty is small gift, big smile. It's that you can give someone a small gift that will create, like, happiness, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so I think it's really, like I said, it's the message, that, the intention behind the brand. Like, like, like I said, if you were doing, like I mentioned, Minimal Animale or whatever, they, you know, made swimmer that was really sexy, super high cut that was flattering on your body that made, you know, it's just, it's like figuring out that one thing that's, like, not that somebody already isn't doing, you know, mm -hmm. and doing it really well or, you know, having a really strong intention behind it. Like, I want to be really inclusive. I want to be, you know, like, what what's your why behind why you're doing the brand? You know, mm -hmm. it can't just be like, oh, I want a brand and be cool and, you know what I mean, look cool to my friends and have own a brand. You know, right. it's like, what's, who's your customer? Really figuring that out, you mm -hmm. know? And, you know, brands like Diesel and, you know, I was already walking into, like, them being, successful mm -hmm. you know so i think it's more interesting the ones that i saw become successful right um like you know even tokidoki i could talk because i i sort of like worked there you know it's now they've been around for like i want to say like 17 or 18 years mm -hmm. so i've worked there 11 so i've kind of been there you know i wasn't there at the very beginning and they actually got really successful because they did a collaboration with the sports act that like put them on the map and they like started just it was like everywhere and it was like around the same time that Gwen Stefani had Harajuku lovers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you know like if you went into the sports hack you'd just see all like Harajuku lovers club and then Tokidoki's club and that really got you know both those brands out there so I guess for my advice to starting a brand is really know why you're doing it who you're selling it to and um yeah the intention behind it like what you know why do you want a brand and mm. like yeah, who do you want to wear it? And really honing in on those things, mm -hmm. you know, because like 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 a Hello Kitty or Sanrio, they're doing it like small gift, big smile. That's their whole intention. And like, I think Tokidoki is kind of similar. Well, Tokidoki means sometimes in Japanese, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the concept of almost like the secret. It's like basically like you know like sometimes like in life something like magical happens. You know, like when you're just like you're like, oh, everything is aligning. And, like, mm. that's sort of, like, the concept behind Tokidoki. And so, like, when really magical things happen within the company, there will be, like, that's a really Tokidoki moment. Mm -hmm. You know, and, like, we've had a lot of moments of, like, that as a brand. But the, the creative designer, Simone, he's very, very, very... Uh, he's just so invested in the brand and in the artwork. And, like, he really is so passionate about it. So it's like, you need to have that like a hundred percent passion. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I was like, when I was thinking about doing a brand, I was like, do I really a hundred percent want to do this? You know what I mean? And yeah. cause if you don't like, for instance, one of my best friends, um, started a chip brand and like, she got into like Erewhon and Lassen's and like a couple other like mothers, but like, there's so much that went into having that brand. It was like a cassava chip brand, like so like no grain and like, you know, like corn free and like non-GMO, 
you know, organic, all those things that, like, people want. Um, but it just ended up sort of being something that, you know, it wasn't like it was too challenging for to, for her, but it's, like, in order to really get, like, a brand off the ground, it's, mm-hmm. like, you have to put in mm-hmm. everything, you know, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, people, I think Kanye, I mean, I watched his documentary and, like... Oh, man, I did, too. Yeah, and it's, like you really kind of you're like okay well i really get why he's successful because because it's not like even in the documentary they show him struggling and people not believing in him and people think you know not considering seeing him as more of a producer and not a rapper and Mm -hmm. never giving him that shine and you have to kind of know that is your path and like know it more than anyone else you know what i mean and, like, because there's going to be a hundred moments where people are going to doubt you, mm-hmm. question you. And I've even noticed that in my own life. Even, like, doing things like OnlyFans, people are like, what are you doing? And, like, you know, like, this is crazy. Or, like, why is your ass all over the internet? And like, <laughs> why are you doing these things? And I'm like, I, this is what I want to do. And so, you, right. when, whatever you do, you have to be so convicted that you're yeah. doing the right thing. Mm. or no one else is going to be convinced you know but like that's why i that's that was my big takeaway from the kanye de- documentary i was like wow he's real. i get why he, he you know then he was like i want a fashion brand yeah mm-hmm. and that's what he did and he has like such a successful one that everybody wants to wear you know so mm. kudos to him and that like definitely taught me something and i was like well it, i mean it as i'm saying people that are successful it's like not like they just get there like you know accidentally it's like mm-hmm. it's like really a lot of work yeah so. yeah i was gonna ask you too what's because you were a dj too yeah what's the wildest party you did like while you was at LA? like what's the wildest party you've been to wildest experience at a party like as a dj or as a as an attendee both uh, well as a dj <laughs> as a dj i wouldn't say that like i dj'd like super crazy parties. Like I, I DJed a lot of like hipster, like mm-hmm. kind of cool kid nights. Like nothing that was like super underground. But like I mean, it's been crazy to see the evolution. That's a whole nother thing. Which um, you know I've always been more into like techno house, like mm-hmm. that sort of genre. And like when I first moved to LA, like I said, it wasn't as popular as it is now. Like now it's more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been really crazy to see the evolution of, like, house music, dance music in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I think people, I think there's, like, a lot of different genres within that, like, EDM and, you know, like, more mainstream, like, artists. and like. But I'm talking, like, more kind of the underground, like, house techno scene. And, like, you know, I would say the craziest party I've ever been to, hands down, easy to say this, <laughs> is Burning Man. Absolutely. I've been there five years like for five years in a row, but I haven't been recently. But I mean, you guys know about Burning Man, right? I don't. What? You don't? I haven't heard of it, but I I need to be enlighten us. Because <laughs> oh, I mean, so Burning Man takes place like outside of uh, it's in Nevada, and it's a place called Black Rock City. I have heard of that. Okay, and, okay, like, yeah. It's kind of like a festival, I guess, but it's not really because you have to like bring everything all your own supplies like mm. so it's like they only sell which is really weird that they only sell this specific thing they only sell coffee and ice that's the only thing that burning man sells what so you have to bring it's like camping but like i mean because people like google and uber and stuff like that 
they go camping uh-huh. at Burning Man, it's not quite camping. It's literally like this whole production. So right. it's like now Burning Man has become almost like this elitist experience where it's like, how rich are you? You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's called plug and play camps where it's like these camps come in and they're spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars to build these like infrastructures where there's like, it's like, like almost like a hotel. I mean, it's not almost like a hotel. There are camps that have like literally hotel rooms like that they build for the week. It's insane. So you can imagine the production that goes into this and then, so like you have that, so it's like Burning Man, like Black Rock City, it's like that week, I think it's like about 70 or 80,000 people are there. And it's like, there's streets and they're all like, it's shaped like a horseshoe. So when you fly, I've flown into Burning Man before. It's like, you see that it's like a horseshoe. Mm. But anyway, so everybody's in their camps and they all have, you know, there's all these coordinates and it's like, you know, it's like you have to kind of learn how to get around. And it's like, you have a bike or you have an art car. It's like a whole thing. It's like, I I could go, (laughs) I could explain this forever, but I'm, it's it's hard to fully understand unless you've been, but I would say the first time you go, you're like, where the fuck am I? It's like, <laughs> it feels like you're on Mars because like so in the center of like the horseshoes, like this area called the playa, and that's where people go out at night and there are cars and they'll be like literally like full on like pirate ships with like a whole sound system on it and people just partying. They'll have you know like a our car that's shaped as a duck you know they're the popular ones are called robot heart you know um mayan warrior like diplo like just you know he played on like he, i don't know if you got saw him on uh was it jimmy kimmel did you guys see him talk i didn't say i saw he was on there but i didn't watch but that, like so. he talks about burning man on on mm. the show and like he talks about the last burning man that there was which was like the rogue burning man which it wasn't like because of COVID, mm-hmm. they had a Burning Man on Black Rock City, but it wasn't like, do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't put on by Burning Man. It right, was right. like the people just went there gotcha. and did their own, like, little Burning Man, but it was real, like, rogue. And he was talking about how he did, a, like, a set at Robot Heart, and it was one of his favorite sets. But regardless, if you want to have your mind completely blown, like, at some point, go to Burning Man, but just, it's a whole process to go. It's like you have to, like, travel to get there. You have to, like, set up a camp you have to live there how long is it it's like a full week but some people spend (laughs) weeks there like setting it up up. yeah damn so that is hands down the most (laughs) that sounds like wild party i've ever it's 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 a seven-day party that doesn't stop there's people partying everywhere all ages like kids go you know elderly go and like it's 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 a cool place but it's like you see a lot of, a lot of things that you're not. You know, people are just walking around naked. <laughs> people have sex out in the open. There's camps where you can just go, like literally, like camps where you can just go have sex. There's like orgy tents. <laughs> yeah, you're kidding. No, I need to see a documentary on this. I need to like see it. I was about to say, yeah, because when you said at least, I was like, Dennis sounds like some Bohemian Grove type shit. Like, you just out there, like, you, that's crazy. It's crazy. Damn. So you said, like, and also, like, big companies, they set up, like, tents and well, camps and stuff, not, too? Or like, not really? They're not, they're not like, supposed to. No, no, no. They do, but they're not, like, it's not like you're, like, it's not like there's signage of, like, this is Google. Got you. You just are, like, oh, that's the Google camera. Right. Okay, okay, okay. And everyone will be, like... And you all could these, tell. like, right. nice art cards and, like, have nice, like, 
places to stay with showers. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Do people like, perform at Burning Man? It's like more um, DJs and stuff like that. Gotcha. Like, Got it. Like Diddy, he goes like every year with like a whole crew. I sound like some shit Diddy would be at. Yeah. One week party for show. Oh, he's like going for it. I've been, he's so fun. I mean, I've been to a couple parties like during like winter music conference at his house mm-hmm. and like it's, they're so crazy and he's always like on the microphone like just like <laughs> just like praise God and like you know, <laughs> at like at like five in the morning and you're just like oh. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. That's what you hilarious. Mean? I am just blown away by this entire conversation. <laughs> Yo, no, nah, yeah, that's what was. I was gonna ask too, because you were there during like the Paris Hilton, like that whole era too. Did you see um, reality TV kind of turning into what it is? Like when you were going to these events and stuff with them, like did you see that kind of coming? Um, I mean, I think it was happening mm. because it was like. Um, uh, Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton. It was the Simple Life, right? Like that mm-hmm. was their show that put them on the map. And then Kim, obviously, you know. And I don't. I mean, I've been like keeping up with the Kardashians. Like you know, obviously, I watched the show, and then now I watched their new show on Hulu. And like they kind of really talk a lot about like um, Kim and like basic well actually i read this outside of the show but because ray j's really come out kind of to say that you know he doesn't like how he's being portrayed in the show Mm -hmm. because well no because it's like i kind of to be honest like i want to know i am dying to really know the real story but we never we never will but he's saying which is true that and i know this from like just porn that they they released the sex tape. Right. They're still making money off the sex tape. That was a conscious decision, and that was a decision that they modeled after Paris Hilton's sex tape, tape came right, up. Right. And then they're like, oh, look look at Paris Hilton got such a boom in like, her, like, whatever, fame. Like, mm. And Kim was, like, dying to be famous. She'll very right. much admit that. So I think they used... Ray J, that was his idea. Mm-hmm to release the sex tape and then I think that the controversy is like you know like in the new show of like the Kardashians this year it's like they're like saying how like that Kim's like all upset because like you know they you know there's more footage but he's saying that's all like made up Mm -hmm. like he's saying that like I saw that yeah and so you know he's sort of just saying that like you know it's just sort of I think that's what's like so crazy about reality TV is that like we and I mean now it's like we are all so influenced by the Kardashians, like as our society, our, our society is. And I mean, not everyone, but like, I mean, I am, you know, like right. I'll be like, oh, what is Kim wearing? What is Chloe mm-hmm. wearing? What is, you know, I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing Good American right now. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like whether we want to or not, we're getting influenced by what we see because like these are the people that like, and like I have friends that refuse to even like look at their social medias. <laughs> watch mm-hmm, the show or mm-hmm. pay attention to them at all but like yeah i mean they've really influenced our society a lot so yeah i've seen it happen but like just a different version of it and different people you know and i'm like it just depends on what reality tv you like like right you know like i like i i pretty much i mean like people like the real housewives people like yeah selling sunset people like you know I don't even know if RuPaul is considered reality TV, but, like, I don't, that's not. But, you know what I mean? There's tons of yeah. shows that, like, you know, people 
connect with and like but yeah i mean i think that like that was the start of it for mm. sure mm. when i moved to la and just yeah. that sort of but i think what has changed so much since then is like like especially now is like the club life it's like of course people are going out but like it's not how it is it was then it was mm. like people would go out every night there'd be clubs every night there'd be paparazzi at all the clubs every night right this night was this club this night was the other club now I, I think people go out, but I think because of COVID, it's like changed, you know? Yeah. Mm. Like people just, I think like, I don't know, how often, like, do you guys go out at night? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's few and far in between. Right? Like yeah. it's not as popular. Like if you ask younger kids, like they would rather like stay at home. Whereas mm. like before, I feel like that was just like the thing to do. Or maybe that's just what I was doing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that like, it's just funny how, I don't know, just like that whole era is so copied now, like the early 2000s, and I really did live in that era. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of crazy to think back to it, and then I'm just like, wow, I feel really old. Because it doesn't seem like that long ago, and I'm like, yeah. that was 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now it's like happening all over again with the way people are dressing. No, <laughs> like, and that's what I'm saying too. Like we were brought it up earlier with the stuff. with the brands coming back. Like I saw uh, Fubu getting ready to do something yeah. new. I just saw uh, we're getting ready to interview a guy. Like he just he's doing something with uh, Dame Dash. They collab for like a line. So it's like all of those people that we looked up to in the '90s that people may have kind of like forgot about or just aren't privy to. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like it's all circling back now. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So that was the other thing I was going to ask you, too, because I went to the I think I told you guys I went to Complex Con in 2019. I think it was 2019, right before the pandemic or 2018. And Steve Stout was on the panel and he was talking about like for brands, he felt like collaboration, technology and culture. He said those were the three things that's going to push brands forward. And you were talking about collaborations, too, because I remember at a point where I never saw brands like collaborating like that. Now it's like they do that with everything. Like it's brands I wouldn't even think would do it. I saw one with like Adidas and like Nike or Reebok or something like that the other day. And I was like, that's like unheard of. So like, what did you like? How do you feel about that? Like just the collaboration? Because I love it, but I just I didn't know how far it was going to go. And it seems like it's just it's continuing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a good way to get people to buy more things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Because it's sort of like. Well, we're collaborate. Like, for instance, Hello Kitty and Nike just collaborated. Oh, and um, yeah, I mean, it pretty much all sold out right away because right. that's like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. um, I saw like Jockmas, or I, I never know if I say that brand or if I say it right, but they're doing a collaboration with Nike, which mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to see that, mm -hmm. you know. And then it's like, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, I just think it's a good way to get people to get, you know, like excited about things you know and like yeah. and then it's like exclusive and limited and right. then it has like a high right. resale value especially because they just don't it's not like they're going to continually to make them so yeah. right. i mean collaborating is a really great way to like get multiple like it's like you know for for tokidoki like i look at it as like well how can we get like a different demographic into like Tokidoki, like right. mm -hmm. that's not into it already so it's mm -hmm. like a good way to, to if you look at it like that mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean and that's why you know like i've talked to a few people at like complex con about like brands that you wouldn't think that we would work with mm -hmm. you know um and so it's just sort of like thinking like does this work does this make sense and then you mentioned technology and i think that's like a really relevant thing right now just with like 
I guess you could say NFTs is definitely technology. Right, right, right. For and sure. I think that, like, if you're not in that space either, it's like you're kind of not relevant either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, not every brand can have an NFT, but, like, I feel like so many people have NFTs now. And right. I think just being able to play in, like, the digital space in that way, too. It's important. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, that's absolutely. What was the third thing he said? Tech- and he said culture. Well, yeah, like making sure that, you know, there is, like I said, like, you know, Comic-Con for Tokidoki, like that's very much our culture. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. very the world that we do well in. So I think it's just really knowing who your fan base is and catering to them and like giving them what they want, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And my last one for you, because uh, I feel like it ties in too, is like we're in such a, a entrepreneurial space now. I think it's almost like people look down on like, having a job like it's almost like not a cool thing i know yeah so i wanted you to kind of like talk on that and just like how you feel like because i always feel like you know especially having a good job or something where you can build your skills only helps enhance your entrepreneurial skills so how do you feel like it's helped you or like just any advice you might have for other people who might be feeling that same way yeah i mean i think it's really that's a really good question actually because i feel like i have a lot of younger friends and like they all are like know for lack of a better term hustlers you know Mm -hmm. like not like not like all of them are hustling like that but i'm saying like they just you know they'll they're models or they they're stylists and they don't have a job where they like report to one like you know boss or whatever so i think this whole concept of like having a nine to five and a boss is like kind of outdated where people are like oh you have a job like that's surprising (laughs) oh you have a job but like i there's a lot of times I feel like so blessed that I'm in the situation I'm in. And it's like, um, they, um, yeah, I mean, especially during the pandemic, like people lost their job and like, you know, Tokidoki didn't obviously, they didn't really let go of anyone during the time. And like, and just, you know, like I, they're, they are my family. And I think that having a job that like, you know, basically, I mean, when I talk about like owning a brand and I see what the struggle, Everyone wants to work for themselves, but, like, I see the owners of Tokidoki, and I was like, they work all the time. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. they're, like, they don't get to, like, say, like, oh, I'm done for the day, you know? Right. <laughs> and um, so I feel like I, that's why I've gotten to do so many, ma- like, especially when the pandemic hit, I was like, wow, I've really done so many things in my life. I've been, a, you know, like five Burning Mans. I mean, this was my 19th Coachella. God damn. Um, <laughs> We're working I, on our first one, Brooke. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> um, I've been, you know, to, you know, to, after I stopped going to Burning Man, I really made the point to travel to places like I mm. wanted to go to. So I went mm. to J- Tokyo for the first time. Mm. I went to Africa. I went to like like five different countries there. You know, like, I've been all, obviously, like, all over Europe. I've been to Australia. I've been, you know, like, I've the, the only two continents I haven't been to, which is actually surprising, is South America. Uh-huh. I've been to, like, Central America a ton, and then I just haven't been to South America yet, and then I haven't been to Antarctica. I've just been to Colombia. I just went. You got to go. And everyone says it's You so got to go. Yeah, everyone says it's so bound. So my point is, is that, like, I think in life in general is sort of what you make of it, and mm-hmm. so it's, like... It's like, what do you want to do? How do you want to spend your time? Like, and I think that working for someone 
can be almost better than, you know, owning your own brand. It just depends on what you want. Like, mm -hmm. do you want that notoriety? Do you want that accomplishment? Do you want that like feeling of like, I did this and like, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur and I started this brand. Like, you know, or you can have those accomplishments like working for other people as well. It's not like you can't have those feelings yourself. And then you don't, you don't have to like go home and like be like, oh, I have to like figure out how to pay everyone and payroll mm -hmm. and those kind of things. So it's yeah. like, you know, and, that, and that's, that's not why, I mean, like, I just saw my other friend who's always been a rep and sales rep and she was like, I was telling her, I was like, oh, I was thinking of starting my own brand. And she's like, are you serious? <laughs> she was like, are you serious? She's like, why would you do that? Because like, it's like when you've been a sales rep, you see how it's like this. It's like goes up and down and up and down and like being the owner of a company that's like up and down, up and down, it's yeah. so stressful. Mm -hmm. But I'm not discouraging anyone from doing it because right. I do think there's a lot of reward, but and especially like if you really know that you want it, yeah, I recommend doing it. Right, yeah. absolutely. But like, I definitely don't think working for someone isn't cool. Right. I, I think that that can be just as cool and just as elevating and you can, like working for Diesel, working for all these brands have like gotten me and all these rooms and parties and places and experiences that like I never would have gotten just like right. doing something by myself. Like I saw the world in a way, you know what I yeah. mean? So I'm really thankful for all the experiences I've had and like, we'll see. I mean, I, I might, you know, start my own brand. We'll I, see. You know? Life is good, man. You can pick what you want to do. Yeah. But like what I'm saying is I'm thankful that like, I can really say like if tomorrow I like, you know, well, this is not happening, but if I got married and <laughs> had a kid, I would be able to be like, you know what? I did it. Mm -hmm. Like, I really. I enjoyed myself. Did it. I yeah. did it all. I partied. I had fun. I experienced life. Now I'm ready for the next chapter. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, I'm still having fun. Like, I mean, I just. You know, I've been, I, I, during the pandemic, I, like, people, like, I've been talking to people, and they're like, I haven't really gone out. I've been, like, I've been going out this whole time. Like, <laughs> like even during, like, not the lockdown time, because like, that was really taboo, but, like, you know, like, I've been, like, going, there's been parties I've been going to this whole time, you know? Right. And so, like, going to, you know, Coachella, I talked to a bunch of people, they're like, ah, this is my first time, like, being out, like, two years, I was like, I cannot relate to that because I've <laughs> like, been outside yeah we've been outside yeah man but anyway so yeah that's um i hope that answers that question oh, it absolutely is, it is very true that i noticed this younger generation they don't don't want jobs yeah that's, i always talk to people about that i'm like bro just get you something that you can do while you're doing your other thing yeah get your bills paid yeah well yeah i mean i think everyone wants to it, it's it sounds you know, I'm not saying this to discourage people, but like work, having your own brand sounds, I think, sometimes more glamorous than it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that it can be in a really amazing experience if you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, bro, I want to thank you so yeah. much for stopping by. We appreciate you. Um, before I let you finish us out with anything else you want to say. Follow Brooke. She's one of the best people to follow for food spots. I told her the other day, I'm like, yo, whenever I was at the hotel car, our car hotel, I was like, I took uh, Imani and my uh, dad to go eat over there. I was like, hey, Brooke had this on her joint. The food yeah, looked amazing. Follow her if you want some good food spots, for <laughs> sure. But yeah, anything yeah. else you want to say, uh, where they could follow you, uh, any words of wisdom, and uh, yeah, that's it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, my Instagram is Hello Brookie, and same with my OnlyFans. <laughs> there we go. And um, yeah, I just think that you know, people just more so than just you know having a ton of money. I think that like people really should just focus on like being happy and what makes them happy and. We only have one life, and um, you should just really live it to the fullest, whatever that means to you. And, like, you know, to me, that's not working all the time. It's really just enjoying, like, everything that, like, life has to offer. And so, you know, like, being 42, I think you really kind of, you know, I've had, like, a midlife kind of crisis moment where you, like, like I said, you look back and reflect. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm really happy I have experienced a lot in my life. And, like, you know, it's, like, my advice for younger people is just to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> do it all. Experience it all. Live it all. Don't hold back. You don't get a second round, you know? Like, this is it. This yeah. Is, you get one shot at life. And, yes, you get second chances. But, you know, just do it all. <laughs> Live it to the fullest. Yeah. I needed to hear that. <laughs> We appreciate you. Thank you, Brooke, so much. And we will definitely be in contact. And we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you.